Welcome to the Love and Light Live podcast, empowering crystal lovers and spiritual entrepreneurs to learn and experience the art of crystal healing. Get ready to listen in and join our crystal movement. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me for the Love and Light Live podcast brought to you by loveandlightschool.com. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and this podcast is the number one place for all things crystals. I am very, very much looking forward to sharing today's show with you because I got to actually do an interview with Lauren Gandarva. Lauren is the project manager and community manager here at the Love and Light School. And although we pretty much talk every single day, we don't often get to sit down for a really fun and meaningful chat about crystals and spirituality. And in today's show, we'll be focusing on crystals for the mother wound. Lauren was really excited to share this topic with all of you. As we approach the holiday of Mother's Day here in the U.S., it can be a really tenuous time for many of us. Um, I personally have a really amazing relationship with my own mother. She's one of my very best friends, and I'm so grateful for the relationship that we have. But even if you have this really meaningful, really amazing relationship with your own mother, there can still be issues relating to the mother wound in your life. And Lauren explains how this happens in detail. It's cultural, it's societal, it's, it's really about our search for something more, our search for connecting with the divine feminine. And it was an absolute pleasure getting to talk to Lauren about this subject and also have her share some of her favorite crystals for actually working to heal this in our own lives. So I can't wait to share that with you. But before we get started, I'd like to pop over and answer one of our listener questions. Remember, you can submit your own questions for our Ask Me Anything segment anytime at loveandlightschool.com ask. And if you do, you'll have the chance to have your question answered right here. So today's question comes from Rihanna Tehan. And Rihanna says, I'm about to make a medicine wheel, and I wanted to know what crystals might be best to use. Any suggestions you have would be great. So Rihanna, when I was first studying crystal healing, I studied with so many amazing crystal teachers. And one of those crystal teachers was Native American. And in his work sharing about crystal energy, I was introduced to the concept of the medicine wheel, this very intensely healing tool that we have for connecting with the earth. And I was really inspired at that time to make my own medicine wheel on a large scale and a small scale version, the small scale being obviously the version that was kind of my go-to, something that I worked with quite a bit at that time and still return to periodically. Um, so for my own medicine wheel, I worked with white howlite for the north, yellow jasper for the east, red jasper for the south, and black obsidian for the west. So there was the white, yellow, red, and black. And then in the center, I actually used a piece of turquoise. The reason for this is turquoise represents the connection between earth and sky. And for me, it was that reminder that although we're here living this physical life, we are spiritual beings. We are tapped into and connected with something greater than ourselves. 
And although I'm no expert on the medicine wheel or its teachings, obviously, I still feel that there are so many important lessons to be learned from the wisdom and knowledge and cultures across the globe. And this kind of takes us to an interesting topic that I guess I hadn't really planned on talking to about today, but it seems really important and relevant here, and that's cultural appropriation when it comes to spirituality. And I think that there is so much of this that happens, and it's really a struggle to find balance between seeking important knowledge and wisdom and spiritual teachings and really respecting and honoring those teachings and disrespecting those teachings by abusing them or manipulating them. And I know that there are so many varied opinions here, and and I don't pretend to have all the answers. I, I absolutely don't. But I think the most important thing to keep in mind when you are trying to learn about these teachings or practices that might come from outside of your own culture, your own roots or background, is to keep a mindset of respect, is to keep a mindset of appreciation, and most importantly, of gratitude. Although we may be divided by our ethnicities, our cultural backgrounds, our spiritual backgrounds, our individual heritages, what we all have in common is that we are all from this earth. We are all from this planet. And in that, we do have shared experiences. And for most of us, that means identifying across the board as spiritual seekers. As humans, we're all looking for deeper meaning in our world, and we're all looking for an opportunity or chance to connect and tap into that thing that goes beyond ourselves as individuals, beyond ourselves as these physical beings. And I think in modern culture, so many of us are missing this piece of ourselves and we're looking for any way to reconnect. And sometimes that does present itself in the form of spiritual beliefs or traditions from other cultures outside of our own. I think that, again, although there is definitely cultural appropriation that takes place in our world, and it's a very frustrating and disheartening thing that occurs, I do think that there is a line that can be walked into exploring other spiritual beliefs with the understanding that although these may not be your own or from your own heritage or roots, they can teach us something about humanity. They can teach us something about the way that we fit into the greater whole. And again, if we approach this from a place of respect and of gratitude, then I think that these things can be explored and explored in a way that doesn't diminish the knowledge that is being shared. So I hope that that not only answered your question, but also maybe provided some insight into ways to approach any spiritual traditions or belief systems, any ways that we seek to connect with spirit in our own world, in our own way. So thank you so much for submitting that question. And if you would like to submit your own question, if you're curious about something right now, anything about crystals or spirituality, 
please feel free to do that over at loveandlightschool.com ask. And now it is time to dive into our main topic for today, Crystals for the Mother Wound with Lauren Gondarva. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to our interview. Hello and welcome to this episode of Love and Light Live. Today I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing someone that you may know from Love and Light. I'm interviewing Lauren Gondarva. She's the project manager and community manager for the Love and Light School. So you may have seen her around in our Facebook student group, popping in and answering comments online, helping you with emails. But she's also an amazing tarot and oracle card expert, and I just love the connection that I've made with Lauren over these past few years. So Lauren, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me on, Ashley. It was exciting to get to talk to you just about crystals for a while, because we talk every day, obviously, but this is kind of fun to get together and chat. (laughs) Yeah, it's fun to just kind of switch things up and do it a little differently. And, you know, I'm really happy to be talking to you about this topic for today, which is crystals for the mother wound. So for those who might be listening who aren't familiar with what the mother wound is, can you tell us a little bit about this and how this kind of got identified and brought forward into um, kind of our sphere of consciousness and things that we work toward healing? What is this all about? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a pretty complex thing and it's so amazing when you kind of get into it because you can go so deep with this topic. But the mother wound is kind of just this idea of there being a wound in our kind of in our souls that we have. And it seems on the surface that it might have something to do with our own mothers and the relationship that we have, which is such an obviously sacred bond, um, the people who birthed us or who raised us. And uh, so we can have a really, you know, interesting dynamic with our own mothers. But when we look closer, we really see that that can be a reflection as well uh, with the relationship that we have with the divine feminine in our society and the lack that we've had of that growing up, especially here for us. You know, we grew up without this presence, without knowing that this was something that's happening in our lives um, in so many different ways. So it's important to look at both aspects of that, both our relationships with our mothers and with the divine feminine as um, a level of consciousness. So give me a few examples. What might the mother wound look like in terms of our relationship with our own mothers? How does that manifest that way in our lives? Yeah, so I think for a lot of us, it kind of builds up as a little bit of resentment. And that doesn't mean that we just hate our mothers and we like are out to get them and we think that they've done terrible jobs with us. But it's kind of just, even if we have an amazing relationship with them, we kind of feel that maybe they could have done things differently or that we wish for this constant affection from them and this constant perfection in the way that they nurture us. And that's obviously impossible for them to do because they're women as well who have been living in the society and they've been nurtured um, in different ways as well. And they've had a lot of lacks in their life as well. So we kind of want this nurture so badly from them and we start to resent them in, in different ways when they can't give us everything that we need and all the support that we need in the different phases of our life. So we kind of take that out on them when really we should be focusing on connecting with the divine feminine as a whole to nourish that whole that's, you know, that's left in our souls. That's such a good explanation. And I I do think that you're absolutely right. This doesn't even necessarily mean that you've had a, a negative experience, a negative upbringing. All it means is that there is something left to be desired, something that still feels somewhat unfulfilled. And you're right. We can't expect 
the world of our mothers. They're just humans too. They're doing the best that they can in most circumstances. So then turning to that relationship with divine feminine and that support that we seek from larger community and larger society, how is it that the mother wound influences that area? Because I know that that's in, you know, just an entirely different thing in, in one way. You know, some people say it takes a village to raise a child. So in many ways, we have this motherly connection with other people in our lives um, that can be really powerful and really beneficial and really healing. But in some ways, on that larger scale, society also lets us down, too. And there is, you know, in recent times been this huge shift back toward divine feminine away from the patriarchy so how are we still healing from that and what does that look like in our lives this um, relationship with divine feminine in terms of the mother wound yeah so I think that because so many of us grew up all you know wherever you are in the world you grew up with this society that kind of didn't value the feminine and didn't value both the divine feminine and women in general you know women are are constantly stereotyped for different things. And um, so we kind of deal with both sides of that spectrum. So we don't have a goddess figure in a lot of our main religions in the world. And a lot of us grow up not even knowing that that exists, not even knowing how much history has been erased by the patriarchy really um, in so many ways. So we form these really close attachments with any women that kind of come forward, any women that love us. And that's something I think about a lot, you know, aunts and our mother's friends or, uh, you know, I don't know, whoever is in our lives, grandmothers, of course, our friends, mothers, our friends, big sisters, and any kind of female connection that we get, we're, we're so hungry for that. And we're so willing to latch onto that to anyone who can give us that nourishment. So it's just important to to look at all of those facets of our lives and see how much we've lacked with with those feminine relationships and how much can be fulfilled through simply recognizing that there is a divine feminine um, experience out there waiting for us and a goddess waiting for us to connect with her. You know, as you were speaking, it really got me thinking about something. I think as women, we have this relation or this um kind of stereotypical association of being competitive with other women, right? That's like very much something that often goes unspoken just as much as it does go spoken. I think it's something that as women, we don't often want to acknowledge that this stereotype exists, but I think it does exist for a reason. And as you were kind of talking, it made me think about, yeah, as we're, you know, hungry for these relationships, for this influence and guidance and connection with other women, I think, for those women who this does kind of manifest in um, competitiveness and competition, I think in many ways it's because we are so hungry for it and we're lacking it. And those people are lacking it maybe even more so. And they feel like, well, but if someone else has that relationship, then I won't have that in my life. And and it's like, it's, it's you or, or them, you know? And I think that mentality is something that we need to grow out of as women and realize that we can lift each other up and that there is an abundance of this supportive, uh, women inspired community out there and that we don't need to be in competition with our sisters and our mothers and our friends and our grandmothers. And really we can kind of lift each other up and embrace one another. 
absolutely. You're so right. Like we have this idea that our mother's love is so finite. And that, that is true because our mothers are humans. Um, so they can love us unconditionally, of course, but their time for us is sort of finite and the amount of just, you know, nurture that they can give us, they can only do so much for us, of course. They're humans too. And I know that because I'm a mother, <laughs> of course, I have to take care of myself as well. But I think that we do develop that really strong lack mentality around um, that nurture. And we just think that there's no way we can ever get enough. So even when we do start shifting into a belief in a goddess or in the divine feminine um, as a whole, we think, oh, there's another person who's really into this goddess stuff. She's so into it. How can I be into it? I'm, And you do feel that sort of jealousy or sort of competition with her. And that's so easy to slip into because we're so used to that lack mentality, which is not our fault. It's a result of the patriarchy. It really is. And it's, we've grown up to be so individualistic from the society that we've grown up in as so male centered that we, we forget that we can connect together and women are supported by each other. And we don't have to just wait for a little bit here and a little bit there. We can't, we don't have to be the only people who are connected to the goddess. We're all connected and we strengthen each other in that connection. So true. And you brought up that this really is kind of the result of our society. And this is so interesting because I was just listening to a keynote speech yesterday by Terry Crews, the actor, NFL star, all that stuff. Big, muscular, manly dude, right? I mean, he really is. So he was giving this talk on toxic masculinity in our culture and the result that that has on men as well as women. And one super important concept that he brought up was that as a man, he had to realize and awaken to the fact that he was participating in this culture of toxic masculinity and Mm -hmm. that it was, um, you know, something he was contributing to and that he had to take accountability for his own influence on that role in society and that he started to feel sorry for men because they're so motivated and ruled by pride and by ego. But then he was looking at how that affected women and the women in his own life. And he said, just as he realized men were really ruled by pride and ego, women have learned from this patriarchy to be ruled by fear. And that he was in such admiration of his wife who became truly fearless and left him when she didn't know what her plan was. She didn't know what she was going to do. And he said, I'm so grateful to the fearlessness that my wife had because it caused me to turn to introspection and realize what I was doing in my own life that was contributing this to this. And it wasn't just coming from outside of me and it wasn't just our society. It starts with me. And sometimes it takes a strong, fearless woman to speak up and take action and vocalize what's happening. And he said, I'm so grateful to all the mothers and sisters and daughters and grandmothers who are fearless and speak up about what needs to be said to get more men to awaken to how toxic masculinity is influencing and affecting and impacting our society. And I think that, you know, as much as we're talking about the mother wound right now, there are roots to where that comes from. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those roots, like you said, come from the patriarchy. This has kind of been, you know, something that because of 
the way our society operates, we seek more than ever for that motherly love. And because our mothers are only human, they give as much as they can, but we can't expect 100% of it to come from them. Um, And, you know, you said something else, which is, you know, as a mother, I understand that that's not possible because I also need to take care of myself. And, and like, I've talked to a lot of women about this and so many different views on parenting. And I've seen women who, you know, run themselves ragged, trying to do everything for their children. Their children always come first, no matter what, for years and years and years. And they end up suffering from burnout. And they're in the end, not the best mothers they could have been because they're not taking care of themselves. So like as a mother, I was wondering if you could speak to maybe that role of self-care so that we can show our daughters like that best um, example of, of feminine presence in their own lives. Absolutely. That's something that's so incredibly passionate to me because my, my child is a girl and I want her to really learn more than anything about self-care. And of course, there's so many other things she needs to learn about in the world, but self-care I think is the basis of everything. And of course, by self-care, I don't just mean a bubble bath or, you know, (laughs) meditating for a few minutes. I mean, really just knowing that we need care. And I think when she was younger, it was really hard for me to do that because I wanted to give, give, give all the time. And I wanted to be the perfect mother and just take her places and do things for her all the time whenever she needed anything. And she's five and a half now. So obviously we have a long stretch <laughs> to still go. And I'm sure I'll learn a lot more as we go. But at this point, and for the past year, really, I've been so focused on self-care. And I've really noticed a shift that when I'm feeling irritable or impatient as a mother, I can't communicate with her clearly. And I can't be a good mother really because I haven't taken care of myself. I haven't, I might be tired. I might be hungry. I might be just stressed out about other things. And when I'm in that mindset, it's impossible to really communicate with your child and connect with your child the way that you want to and nurture them in a selfless way, in a loving way that that's what they need. They need love so badly and they just need clear communication and trust and respect. So when I do take care of myself through meditation and uh, crystal healing for myself and just extensive, you know, reading sessions for myself and going outside, all that kind of stuff. I am the best mother that I can be. And not only for her, I know that I'm a good mother for her because I can see how good she feels, but then I feel good. At the end of the day, I'm not exhausted and I'm not burnt out. And I don't feel like I yelled at anyone or I don't feel like I you know, messed things up all day. I just feel at peace. And that's so, so important. And yeah, I want her when she grows up, if she doesn't remember anything else, I just want her to know that. And I want her to think about that I nourished that part of her. And I might not be able to teach her, you know, college algebra or something like that. But at least I want her to know that I taught her self-care and how important that is as a woman. So this is one thing I admire about you so much, Lauren. You are literally, you are the best mom I know. You really, (laughs) I mean that, like the the way that you approach like motherhood and your relationship with your child, I think is so special. And I think that this idea of self-care for all parents, not just mothers, but fathers too, is so important, you know, and it it just provides something and, and you're leading by example. And of all the things, like you said, that you could teach your daughter, this is, I think one of the most important and you're doing it by example, which really says so, so much. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. And now I want to pivot to Chris because that's right. That's why we're here. <laughs> um, 
But looking at this idea of the mother wounds, both with our own mothers and with larger kind of society and community, how can we work with crystal energy to start to heal this part of ourselves? Because many of us have been impacted by this deeper than we know. And if we start to think about things, um, at least I know I can say this, things about myself that I'm like not super proud of or things that I really <laughs> like to change and grow about myself. Many of them, if I look at the you know really deep root of the parts of my personality or those aspects of self, I can trace them back in some way to this. And I'm just wondering, so what crystals could we work with to really start to repair and heal these aspects of self? Yeah, absolutely. There are several, I mean, there are tons that we can work with, but I have a few favorites. And when I thought about this, when I started thinking about crystals that I feel like are the best to work with a mother wound, of course, the first thing that came to mind was the heart chakra. And that's vital. But I don't feel like we can heal the heart chakra until we're really connected in our lower chakras, our root and sacral chakras. And so a lot of the crystals that I use are deeply grounding. And that kind of brings me down to reality while I can also focus on the higher dimensional energies of connecting with the goddess. But without those um, crystals to, to ground and help connect the root chakra, to those energies. I just don't think it's, we can do anything without those. So um, Numite is one of my absolute favorite favorites. There are so many good crystals for grounding, but Numite, um, which comes from Greenland, it's, there's something about that. Just knowing it comes from Greenland for some reason to me, like, I just love that. It's like that one place in the world. And um, I have one here and it's just, for me, nothing feels more grounding. I feel like I, my root chakra goes down to the very center of the earth, attaches and I feel so grounded when I work with this stone. So that's what I like to recommend to people to start out with, just so they can really get their head on straight before they start working, you know, so you have a clear picture of what you want to work on with your mother wound practice. That's so smart because a lot of us, we immediately want to like skip 10 steps ahead and go to that like highest spiritual level and do all the work there. But we need to like bring it back down to earth first and really start slow. It's like kind of like, you know, unraveling the layers of an onion, like peeling away those layers and starting at that root chakra is brilliant. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, I love, yeah, I love that stone. So that's one of my favorites. Um, another one that I work with, and this really is the stone that inspired me to start this path. Um, thinking about this practice in general, it's iolite. And, um, the first piece, I first got a piece of iolite just about a year ago, which is pretty recent in terms of my whole crystal journey. And the first time I looked at it, uh, I just picked it up and I, I was actually at the Yellow Sky Emporium here in Knoxville that one of our students owns. I just picked it up and I kind of felt like, you know, when you look in a telescope or just when you look at a, the really clear night sky and you see all the stars and you just have this really humble moment of knowing that you're just one small piece of this amazing cosmos that's doing so many amazing, magical, mystical things at one time. Um, and that got me thinking about my connection with my own mother. And she's amazing. I know she'll listen to this. She's absolutely amazing. <laughs> and we're really close, but you know, it's like anyone else. You have to, you have to think about how to heal that relationship. Even if you don't have anything that you think needs healing, there are these wounds on a really subconscious level that, you know, you want to, you want to work on. So I started thinking about how the cosmos kind of brings us together with our mothers and then with our daughters and our other children. And so that's, that's my favorite stone for that. It just brings that cosmic awareness in. So I light is a great stone for that. 
And it is so interesting how, like, you know, people have lots of different beliefs about how this happens. Some people feel that, like, our souls choose our parents. Other people feel like it's totally random and it has no meaning or purpose at all. (laughs) But no matter what you really believe about this, I think that we can all agree that there is something to be said about how we do end up kind of paired with the people that we do. And, And I think it's totally natural at one time or another for us to all kind of question that, you know, either as, as children, like how did I become your child specifically, or even as adults, like, huh, it's so funny that I had like, you know, just the mom that I needed to help me during this really difficult time, or I had just the mom that I needed to teach me this important lesson, even if things were difficult or whatever it may be. And I find that like, whether you think that's like destiny or complete randomness, we all kind of do get something that our soul really needs from that. And I love that you're kind of, you, you started with this like really grounded earthy approach to healing the mother wound. And then you zoomed way out into this cosmic <laughs> look at how our souls are connected to divine feminine energy. So that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I light is a good one and that's definitely good. And then I think once you kind of have that, that kind of solid base to stand on in this practice. I think you can obviously move on to the heart chakra where a lot of this work is going to be happening. So there are two stones that I use for this that kind of balance each other and kind of both work with the heart chakra, but in very, very different ways, which I know you can speak to as well. So the first one is Ruby. And then the second one is pink opal. Um, So Ruby, and I have a record keeper one. It's pretty intense, (laughs) but so this one is so, so opening. I feel like it just kind of like blasts out any stubborn, stagnant energy in your heart chakra. It's like, okay, all this stuff, it's going to hurt for a minute. You know, you're going to be exposed to these wounds and you're going to feel really deeply things that you might not want to feel because you've tried to cover them up consciously, but you need to address these things that are really holding you back in your life. And when I've meditated with this particular record keeper, Ruby, um, I've had a lot of experiences with thinking about things like the witch trials and things like the um, sort of mass exodus of the goddess from religious literature in basically every religion in the world and in every culture in the world. It's so prevalent. And it's something that I didn't know about until about 10 years ago, like when I was in college. I didn't even know about, you know, Sophia and the beginning goddesses of a lot of religions. I had no idea. So now that I'm older and I'm really diving into that, I think I needed to to see those experiences with my Ruby that, that I had while I was in meditation to think about all the women that have been persecuted and killed and just, you know, all this stuff that's happened to erase the goddess from our memories and bringing that back into our consciousness is so important. So I like Ruby for that to really open my eyes and to really open things up. But then um, on the other side of that, I love the pink opal because it's so soft. And so if you've been working with Ruby all day and you've had these super intense experiences, the pink opal doesn't cover it. It's not a band-aid. It doesn't make you forget about it, but it softens it to the level where you can kind of start to cope with it and realize why it's important in your life. And that's, that's sort of a feminine energy. And when we talk about feminine and masculine energies, you know, there's a lot of uh, things to unpack there. But at the core of femininity, I think, is this extreme power, but also this extreme ability to nurture. And the pink opal relates to that for me. Yeah, definitely that you know concept of compassion, acceptance, forgiveness. That definitely all comes through that pink opal, which is so needed when you're dealing with those energies like you just talked about with the ruby. 
you know, all that stuff is kind of coming up and bubbling up to the surface. And I love that you kind of mentioned about the Ruby, like, okay, it might be a little cracky. It might be a little difficult to deal with, but like, these are ultimately things that you need to be clearing out. So if you're really ready to like move into that place of, of healing and, you know, getting in touch with that and understanding it and then letting it go, you know, that's like the first step to like release and like moving forward is really acknowledging so you have this acknowledgement with the ruby and then this acceptance with the pink opal and and that's like where things can really start your healing journey can really start absolutely that's kind of where the magic excuse me kind of where the magic happens I think when you start opening to that and it it might not be something that you're ready for right away everyone might not want to grab a ruby the first day that they hear about the mother wound and blast open all those huge wounds from the past like 2000 years or so but yeah it's something at, at some point to consider working with and I think it's really helpful um and then after you've done that some two of the other ones I like for that kind of smoothing over aspect after you've kind of cleared out that stagnant energy and all these wounds that you're having. Um, You know, the ocean is so soothing when we think about the ocean and the energy of that and the waves and everything like that. And then also the moon. And we think about both of those things as being very feminine. So the two stones that I love for that are white moonstone and Laramar, which are both like the most soothing things. And when you have them together, I have them both right here. It's like, I don't know. It's like if you're, it's literally like standing on the beach at night under a full moon. Like what could be more healing than that? If you're just standing there, letting this gentle wave, like wash onto your body and you're clearing away all this, you know, negative energy from you and you have the moon shining down on you. It's just incredibly magical to, to experience that. So those are two absolute recommendations that I could just, I can't even imagine my life without those two crystals at this point because they're so soothing in this journey. So yeah. And you, you also mentioned just like the feminine aspects of the water and the moon themselves. And those have been revered and thought of as feminine for thousands of years. Both of these major, major energetic influences on not just, you know, us as individuals, but us as humanity. And I love that you're bringing these two really powerful energies together. And especially these two energies that do work together. Think about the moon's influences on the ocean tides. Like they work in tandem all the time. So I love that you found a way to bring these crystal energies that kind of embody both of these like archetypes, these powerful um, symbols in our culture as humans to bring them in for healing and release and uh, a sense of calm and just kind of letting things go and letting that energy just wash over you, whether it's the ocean water itself or the moonlight bathing down on you. It's a really beautiful combo. Yeah, absolutely. I love that combo. And like you said, it's so, it's so soothing, but it's also when we think about water and how we think about, oh, we're on the beach and there's a little bit of water, but it's also such a powerful force. And that really just exemplifies what the divine feminine is to me. And with the moon and how that kind of controls the waves anyway, like I can't think of a better combo um, than those two stones. So yeah, those are two great ones. (laughs) So we're getting close to Mother's Day, right? Um, So that's kind of why we timed this particular interview for this time of year, at least here in the U.S., we're getting close to our Mother's Day. 
So what can we do during this time of year? Because we all have a different experience of what Mother's Day is. And that even changes in our lives, right? When we're young, we think of maybe making our mom breakfast in bed and picking her flowers and all those like cute things that we do as children to show our appreciation and gratitude for our mothers. And as we become adults, maybe you know we have more conflicted emotions about this. Many of us have lost our mothers and that can be kind of a painful day or many of us have become mothers and our role kind of changes. So how can we work with these crystals around this time? Um, What can we do with them to actually help support us on this like very special day where this kind of all comes up for us emotionally? Yeah, absolutely. Um, There's so many things you can do with them. You know, you could set up a little crystal grid or kind of a mandala just with the different stones. You don't have to have more than one. You could just, you know, make a little freeform grid. You could put them in a, in your pocket, or you could make a medicine bag with them, um, kind of leading up to the day. But I think the really, the thing that I think about with Mother's Day now, you know, when I was a kid, we dressed up in our little church dresses, which was adorable. We all gave our mom flowers and like you said, breakfast in bed. And that was so special. And I think of Mother's Day as being this really kind of sweet day where you celebrate your mom and you go and eat lunch and these cute things. And that's all good. And that's certainly something I still do with my family. But also now on Mother's Day, I like to have a really intense ritual to connect with divine feminine. That's something that's just become non-negotiable for me the past few years. And so, yes, I want to be a mother. I want to go visit my mother. I want my daughter to, you know, give me a billion hugs that day. But at some point, and I usually include my daughter in this, I want to really sit down, light some candles, light some incense, do my thing, and have these crystals with me to just go into a deep meditation to connect with the divine feminine and to just let her pour this incredibly nurturing, limitless light into me that I need. And it's kind of like getting this cosmic refill, like on this day of Mother's Day, you know, and we can do that anytime, of course, but Mother's Day has become so much more to me now, you know, that's what I want to do. I want to have a big ritual and just all out, have these crystals out, these ones that I've mentioned and just really go in the zone with those. So, yeah. And I like to make an herbal tea and I like to, you know, just really go all out with this. <laughs> so do all our traditional Mother's Day things because those fill us up and nurture us and make us feel good, but also make time for showing our gratitude and appreciation to the divine mother. Yes, absolutely. Nourishing that connection as well. And, you know, this like whole conversation has got me thinking about our dear friend, Nicholas Pearson. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Stones of the Goddess, right? Like this is an amazing, amazing book. So if you're really, if your curiosity is piqued by what Lauren has been talking about during this time about, you know, this um, return to divine feminine, this acceptance and, um, inspiration that we can find in our own lives through connecting with different goddess archetypes and goddess energies, definitely check out Nicholas's book because if you're a crystal lover and you're really curious about this topic, he has some amazing, amazing knowledge and wisdom to share about this as well. Yeah, absolutely. And like how amazing is Nicholas, first of all, that he's a man who's writing about the divine feminine. Like we need so much more of that. He's such a pro. He knows so much about crystals, but like that's, that's brave. And that's something that we could use a lot more of in this world. So I really just applaud him for taking that step and writing that incredible book about um, stones for the divine feminine. So yeah, absolutely. And we have a previous podcast interview with Nicholas about that subject. So I'll be sure to link to that in this blog as well. 
Um, Lauren, thank you so much for being here, for sharing your experience about this thing that some of us may have heard of, but not quite known as much about as maybe we should have, uh, for talking about some crystals that we can use to support us during this time. I'm just so grateful for you taking the time and being here and sharing your wisdom and knowledge. Oh, thanks, Ashley. This was really fun. It was such a great thing to talk about. And it's always fun to chat with you, of course, because you're such an expert on crystals. So I can always bounce my crystal ideas off of you, which is fun. <laughs> you're quite the expert yourself. Um, <laughs> and to everyone listening, I hope that you really got a lot out of this interview and uh, learning a little bit about these crystals and how they can support you as you heal the mother wound within yourself. So again, Lauren, thank you so much for your time. All right. Thank you. Bye. Uh, I hope you found a lot of value in that interview with Lauren. It was such an amazing conversation that we got to have. And that's one thing I really loved about this interview is it was just the two of us kind of talking about our experiences and our ideas about this topic. And it was such a fun thing to do. And if you want more information about anything that Lauren and I discussed in this interview, you can learn more over on the website at loveandlightschool.com slash blog. And if you did enjoy the show today, the biggest compliment you can give me is to leave a quick rating and review over at loveandlightschool.com slash listen. And I did just want to reach out and give some thanks for one of the recent reviews that was shared um, over at that link. I was super, super grateful. I always love reading these and hearing from all of you. So this review today comes from the Hazel Flamingo. (laughs) So Hazel Flamingo says, informative and interesting. Ashley is truly inspiring and sensational. I actually downloaded the podcast app just to listen to these podcasts. I love how much detail Ashley gives while still keeping things sweetly understandable. I feel like I learned so much and retain all the information Ashley gives just by the way she explains everything. You can hear care and compassion in her voice. I'm a follower for life. So Hazel Flamingo, thank you so much. That means more than you can even know. Just hearing your feedback, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to leave that review and help us reach more amazing crystal listeners in our tribe. And if you decide to take a minute to leave me your own review, I'll give you our Crystal Chakra Healing Step-by-Step class as a free gift. So once you've posted your review, just take a quick screenshot of it and send it to me at support at loveandlighthealingschool.com and my team and I will get your class all set up for you and reply back with details about how you can get started. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Love and Light Live podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and I'll be back with you in our next episode. Until then, crystal blessings. The Love and Light Live podcast is a production of the Love and Light School of Crystal Therapy. Visit us online at loveandlightschool.com.